Welcome to Life Lessons, a ministry of Metro Believers Church featuring Pastor Glenn Smith. We pray that you will be encouraged by today's teaching. And now, Pastor Glenn. From the city and uh, this country, of course, and around the world today, um, we welcome you. We thank you for joining us today, live streaming. Um, those of you that are a part of NBC and, and felt like it was not a good thing, or perhaps uh, to travel on the roads, or perhaps, you know, sick with the flu or something, we welcome you to your home church. Come on, let's give it up for them this morning. Woo! Now, next week, next week is a big week. We start. We actually, we actually start what we've been talking about for about five weeks now. We start this incredible journey um, in deeper into God's Word, and it's called the story. And so uh, make sure, make sure you read um, the chapter, chapter one this week, okay? So before you come to church, read chapter one in the story. If you don't have one of these books, they're available in the back. They'll explain the costs and all of that to you. These are five bucks, normally 20, um, and so it's a pretty good deal. But read that first chapter before you come to church and just get in the habit of bringing your book with you because from time to time, I'll just be referring to page such and such and such and such and such and such so that you can track with me. It's a 31-week journey that we're going to be going through, through from Genesis through Revelation. It's going to be an awesome experience, and I can't tell you how excited I am um, about it. We've asked you, if you don't have one of our outlines, slip up your hand, our ushers will get you one. You can also follow us along on Uversion Live today. If you have that app, Uversion, you can just go to Metro Believers Church, and there our notes will be as well. But there are four ways that we asked you to engage in this series of 31 weeks and going through God's Word. Everyone say four ways. There are four ways that you can engage, four ways that you can get involved, four ways that you can participate, if you will. The first one is just simply on a personal level. Um, it's just simply meaning that you were asking you to read and go through it and maybe even wrestle with the text, you know, just kind of not just read it, you know, and get through it like Lance was talking about, checking a box, but actually read it and think about it and pray about it and wrestle with it a little bit to try and figure out how it, how it relates to you. And so the second way we've asked you to do it is in your home life. So not just you on a personal level, but whoever you have in your family, your husband, your wife, your kids, or even if you're single, your friends, okay? And so you can, you can get together, read the word around the meal, and then upload a selfie of you doing that. Check this out, a selfie of me and my family, me and my wife and my two dogs, okay? My son and my daughter, right? That's uh, Miley by my wife, and that's Cody with the big eyes, okay? So uh, you can go online, go to Metro Believers Church Facebook page, and take a selfie and upload that, and um, you'll be entered into a drawing automatically every month from those selfies. We will actually draw uh, a family and give you a gift card to a local restaurant here in the Madison area. It's going to be a fun time. And at the end of our series, 31 weeks, we'll actually draw a grand drawing for a weekend at the Kalahari Resort. That sounds good about now, right? <laughs> 
Well, it'll be November when we finish, so it'll still, you know, feel pretty good because you'll be inside. Third, third, third way you can help um, is actually, or get involved, I should say, is community, your community life. And that's just participating in a small group, a story group. And there's about 14 or 15 opportunities back there on the table for you to get involved and actually be a part of community. Community, your community life is very important. That's where discipleship happens at its best. Okay, it, you know, it's great to be here together and be in this larger group setting, but I'll tell you what, when you start to break it down and talk it through and share our lives together, that's when it gets real good. So I encourage you not to just run out of here today, but to actually stop by the table and get involved in the story group. We got them on the east side, the west side. We get them on the south and the north. We can, we, can, we can actually start another one if we need to, okay? If you uh, don't see one near you and you want to kind of host it, we can help you with that, okay? And the last one is just simply show up at church, worship, your worship life, worship, worship services. Show up at church, you know, with your family and learn together and talk about stuff, you know, back in the back while you're chewing on a donut or something. Um, so we believe if you'll engage these four different environments, everyone say four, four different environments that you'll grow, grow, grow into a deeper life with Christ and that you'll actually see clearer than you ever have before. And that's our goal for this year, depth and clarity. So we're asking you to do that. Also, we have some invite cards. Show that up on the screen. We've got some invite cards. They're in your, your guest packet as well as back on the info center. You can take dozens if you want. Please invite someone for next week. Talk about going through the Bible as I said before, 80% of Americans have it on their bucket list to actually go through the entire Bible sometime in their lifetime. Well, this is a great opportunity to do that, okay? So invite someone. We've also asked you um, if you're going to go with us and journey with us to fill out a commitment card. And that's just simply so we can be on the same page together. We want to send information out to you through the week to encourage you and other ideas and thoughts and challenges as we walk through the Word and the story. So fill out that commitment card if you don't have one and you would like one today. Just slip up your hand and our ushers will get you one. Over here we've got a few. We've been passing these out for the last two or three weeks, but we know every week we have some people that maybe weren't here the previous week. So keep up your hands until they get you a commitment card and then just slip it in the offering box on your way out, okay? Now last week I said, I have a dream at Metro Believers Church that everyone that calls this home would be able to tell two stories in their lifetime. That they would be able to tell two stories um, off, just off the cuff in their life and to the people around them in their world. The first, the first part is God's story, his story, okay? It's his story, that you'd be able to tell his story. That, that rather than, you know, when you talk to people, you don't have a clue, so you never go there, that you would be able to tell his story from creation throughout eternity in about five minutes or less, because that's typically all the time people will give us. So that you'd have it so inside of you that you'd be able to articulate the story, just the whole idea from creation throughout eternity and know some of the working and moving parts. We gave you a, an app last week to download that, you could, that would help you along that road. And so if you don't have, raise up your hand if you don't have one of the commitment cards, okay? 
Um, they're, they're back there saying, raise your hand, okay? So um, um, the app will help you tell his story, okay? It looks a little bit like this. You've got uh, five different movements, and next week you'll see how those movements fit when we have uh, the whole timeline from, from creation throughout eternity laid out here on the front, okay? And how, where those movements happen in the timeline of history. And so that, that little app will help you. So if you haven't downloaded Share the Story yet, you can go ahead and do that, perhaps after the service. Second, the second story, so that's the first story I want you to be able to tell. Second is that you'll be able to tell your story. That you would be able to tell your story. The redemptive work of God in your life. Every one of us have one if you're a believer, okay? Every one of us have one. And in your notes, I've listed some ideas today that will help you tell your story in a very concise, everyone say concise, a very concise way. Because if you just ramble, you know, oftentimes people will just tune you out. But if you're able to concisely tell your story um, and just, you know, do it, do it in a way that kind of gathers the most important information, chances are they'll be more apt to listen to you. So here's just some of the ways that I encourage you to um, line up your stories. First, start with writing down the highlights and the lowlights, okay? You know, write them down. Next, look back at your history and look at the big rocks. Look at some of the big rocks, you know, the, the life-changing stuff. Major downward spirals, the hurts and the disappointments things that could have destroyed you, um, what brought you to the point of total surrender with God, and then God's intervention and his redemption, and then your current walk with God, how things have actually changed since you gave your life to Jesus, weave it together to form one continual story, write it down and read it, and keep it to five minutes or less. Let's think about that. That's just, that's just a way to sort of build this. Some of you've just told bits and pieces here and there, you know, God's good, you know, stuff like that, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm a believer, that's it. <laughs> but you really have never told your story. And it's important for you to be able to do that. You have a story, I have a story, right? And we need to be able to and willing to share it to people that are around us at the appropriate time. So here we go. I'm going to tell you mine. I told you last week I would share mine with you. And this is the abridged version, okay, just so everybody knows. Um, this is the shortened version. So many of you know that I was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, and things were pretty doggone well until I was three years old. And so um, at that time, my dad walked out of our life in the middle of the winter in Detroit with no heat. The heat had been turned off and no food in our house. It was, it was pretty bleak. And he just decided to run off with another woman. And so uh, my mom ended up raising us, and we tried to do the best we could on welfare and her working at a nightclub at night. And so she tried her best. And when I was seven, um, from about seven, eight, and nine years of age, I was placed in foster care um, due to my mother's chronic illnesses. And I was just in and out of all these different foster homes, and I applaud our foster care parents here at Metro Believers Church 
for being willing to invest in a wholesome, quality way into the kids that need a place to stay. Well, that's not what I experienced. And so I am so excited and thrilled to know that we have, we have places here in our church where kids can come and be safe and not abused. Because in foster care, in a foster home for me, um, I was physically abused. I was, I was emotionally abused, and I was sexually abused on several, several times. And it just became a pattern. I was kind of like part of the Me Too, you know, hashtag Me Too um, version back, th- back in the day. Because I had been abused by so many and, you know, isolated and, and just totally tortured in my mind as a little boy at seven years of age with, with no one that was there to actually protect or care for me, often ostracized into the bedroom for two or three days without food and so on and so forth. Um, all, all under the, the, you know, the banner of, you know, foster care. And at the age of nine, I was brutally beat up by six teenagers in an all-black school downtown Detroit. At the age of 11, my mother remarried, and I was physically and emotionally abused by my stepfather. So the pattern continued. Needless to say, this man, this boy, um, got extremely angry and bitter and violent. But then at the age of 12... Something happened. I went to a church family camp, and um, I actually surrendered my life to Jesus. And that night, as I prayed around the altar, I sensed a call of God into the ministry. And I'm like, who are you talking to, God? You got the wrong dude. I couldn't even stand up and give a book report in school, you know? I'm going to preach, right? And so, you know, it just freaked me out. And so, uh, but nevertheless, it was a call from heaven. There's no doubt about it. I can remember as if it was yesterday what God said to me and how deep into the night, into the morning, I prayed and sought his face. But because I went home and began to hang around with the wrong people once again and found myself back in the same cycle of, of destruction, I decided that I wasn't going to be hurt by anyone ever again. So I went into what we call survival mode on the streets of Detroit and started taking private karate lessons, became a third degree black belt, and increased my violent activity. I actually started bouncing in one of the largest nightclubs in Detroit, Michigan at the age of 14, if you can believe that. A lot of people just can't believe it. And so as a result of being in that crowd and being around people, you know, that were... um, you know, much older than me. I wasn't even legally there. Um, But I became addicted to all sorts of crazy things, drugs, alcohol, and everything else that goes along with that lifestyle at the age of 16. I overdosed a couple of different times. The doctors told my my mom that I wasn't going to make it. But by God's grace and a praying grandfather, I did. Well, at age 18, my mother passed away. I had enlisted in the army trying to get my life back together and get off the treadmill that I was on, the path. She passed away while I was in the military and it about destroyed my life. Had three attempts on my life when I got back from the military and went back to bouncing. Um, Three attempts. People tried to kill me to take revenge for things that happened in the club from fights that ensued. One of those, my wife was with me. She wasn't my wife then. And we were both almost killed. But thank God for a praying grandfather. (laughs) Come on. 
I mean, if you're a grandparent here, a parent, your child or grandchild is wayward, you keep praying. Don't give up. Suck some rug. (laughs) That means pray, right? Um, (laughs) My brother, so my brother decided uh, to come over for dinner one night after, and his wife, uh, after they had returned from Germany, he was in the military, retired military, and so they decided to come over and have dinner with me, and and they had recently surrendered their life to the Lord and were serving Jesus. And that night, he got into my face, and he got into my wife's face, and both of them did. And it had to be the Holy Spirit, because I would have probably just thrown him out my picture window <laughs> if it wasn't. But that night, Vicky went to bed, and I was going to sleep on the couch, because we were living together. We weren't, we weren't married. And we knew, had conviction in our heart that that wasn't right. We needed to, you know, honor God with our bodies. And so that night, she went to bed, and I tried to sleep on the couch. Well, I couldn't sleep. I was just stirring in my heart, and the Holy Spirit was working on me until about 5 in the morning, I decided to get up and take a shower and get ready to go to church because they had invited us to go to church the night before, the next day. So I got up at 5 o'clock and uh, showered and put on my one and only suit. It was a polyester um, powder blue leisure suit. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I I wish I could show you the picture. But God did a miracle that night. God did a miracle. I couldn't couldn't wait any longer. I'm standing there fully dressed. It's 6 o'clock in the morning. Church doesn't start till 10. She's snoring in the other room, and so I just couldn't take it anymore. I just fell on my knees in my living room and said, "I've, I've had it, God. I'm yours. Yeah, and on March 14th, 1976, I surrendered my life to Jesus, and I've been trying to do my best to share my story since that day to help people encounter Jesus and grow in the Word. Now, that's what we're talking about when it comes to sharing your story. It's that easy, okay? The Bible, the Bible actually says that, that He took out my heart, a stony heart and gave me a tender heart. In Ezekiel eleven nineteen, check this out. It says, and I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart. That's what he did. That morning at 6 o'clock in the morning, he did surgery on me. And he took out my stony, stubborn heart, and he gave me, he gave me a tender and responsive heart. And Vicki will tell you the difference. She'll tell you immediately she saw a difference in my life. And so that's what we're talking about. Now, during, listen to me, during the story, we want you to share your story. This is what I'm asking you to do. We're going to pass out the clipboards. I'm asking you to sign up to share your story. Now, here's the rules. It has to be done in five minutes or less. You can't get up here and just wing it. You have to write it down, just like I did, okay? And it needs to be concise and and you're going to be assigned a mentor that can actually look it over and make sure it's appropriate for this audience and that, you know, you're, you're, that it's something you can do in five minutes. Because we can't have you get up here and go 30, 40 minutes, all right? Um, so, but we want to hear your story. So, if you would be inclined, some of you would be a huge stretch to share your story, how you came to Christ, how you surrendered your life to the Lord. Listen, it's your story. You can't make a mistake. 
You can't get it wrong. You just tell what God did for you. You may not have all the crazy ups and downs and abuse that I had. You know, you may have never fallen into sin and gone crazy and, you know, gone off the rails, so to speak, but we want to hear it's your story. We want to rejoice with you. Amen? And we want to hear it. Because we're, we're talking about God's story, our story, and your story. That's what we're going to be talking about for 31 weeks. God's story, our story, and your story. Okay? So let's go ahead and pass those clipboards out. All right, so let's get started in the message this morning. In the last chapter, or excuse me, in the first chapter of the story in this book, okay, you'll see that uh, the first chapter is actually titled, The Beginning of Life as We Know It, if you have your, your copy of the story with you, okay? The big beginning of life as we know it, it's chapter one. That's what we'll be dealing with next Sunday. In the last chapter, if you will, you'll see that the last chapter in the book is titled, The End of Time. So you have what? The beginning and the what? End, okay? So in these pages, we'll see the beginning and the end all the way through Revelation. Now, in Revelation, John, John is the writer of Revelation. And John actually has this phenomenal experience, this vivid, very vivid vision from God about life and about the future and what is yet to come. And if, if you have your notes, you can read it there. It's in Revelation 1.19. This is what the Holy Spirit spoke in this vision. He says, write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. Three things. What was seen, what is now, and what will take place. So John gets this vision of what is now, and he writes it down. So in your Bibles, the first three chapters of Revelation is what was now, okay? It's the, it's the, it's the three chapters written, written down to the uh, seven churches that were in, existed at the time, in existence at the time, okay? So in your Bibles, the first three chapters is that the part of what was now, Okay? And it's warnings to the churches to make some changes and so on and so forth. Now, chapter 4, from chapter 4 on to the end of the book of Revelation, it is all about what will happen later. Remember, he was supposed to write what was now, what he saw, what was now, and what will come later. And from chapter 4 in the book of Revelation till the end is really about what will happen later. In fact, the things that John sees still haven't taken place. It still hasn't taken place. In other words, it's yet to come. Do you know what that means? It means that God's story is not finished yet. Did you hear me? It means that God's story is not finished yet. If you're taking notes, you can fill in that blank. And do you know what that means? It means that, that you and I are a character in God's story. <laughs> you and I are a character in God's story. And do you know what that means? 
It means that the same God that was with and empowered the characters of the Bible, all, all the people that we've read about, you know, all the heroes of the faith, the Abrahams and the Sarahs and the Josephs and the Moses and the, and the Joshua. Remember Joshua at the battle of Ber Jericho? Joshua and Deborah and David and Elijah and Esther and Jesus and Peter, Paul and Mary, the original group. <laughs> Yeah, all of them, folks. Um, here's the deal. Those, that same God, that, this is what this means. The same God is with you. The same God is in you. And the same God is ready to empower you to live your life and accomplish his will here upon the earth. I don't know about you, but that, that just does something on the inside of me. Yeah. Anybody interested in that? So, you know, you know what that means? That tells me, based on what I know about Scripture and what we'll learn in the next 31 weeks, that you, everyone say me, that's you, okay, you have a choice of the kind of character you will play. You have a choice of the kind of character you will become. God's, so once again, three, three different statements. God's story is not finished yet. You're a character in God's story, and you decide. You have a choice of the kind of character that you're going to play. That's important to know, that God just doesn't make this up, that God just does what he wants, and you don't have anything to say about your life. Every one of us were born with the ability to choose. Life is all about choices. Every day, we make multiple choices. You made a choice this morning when you got out of bed. You looked out the window and you saw the snow and you said, do I or don't I? <laughs> we make choices all the time. Now, in every story, every story, you have a protagonist and an antagonist, okay? In God's story, a protagonist is someone who is on God's side and has aligned their life to his will. That's, that's the good guys, okay? The antagonist is in God's story, just like in any story, there's an antagonist and a protagonist. The antagonist in God's story is, is not on God's side. It's not on God's side. And as a matter of fact, they're working to do everything against God's will and to discourage people from following him. We call them the bad guys. <laughs> so you got the good guys and the bad guys. Doesn't it sound like a normal story? Yeah, and that's what we're going to be going through, this story, together. But see, either way, either way, God is going to use you as the character you choose in telling his grand story, whether you choose to be a protagonist or an antagonist. God's going to use, listen, God uses everyone to tell his story. Have you ever noticed in Scripture, he doesn't just tell the good stuff. It's both sides. See, God gives you a perspective from both perspectives, both angles, see, so that you can see the good and the bad, and you can see the right choice and the wrong choice. Allow me to illustrate real quick in the time we have left. This thought 
um, of the story with the story of Exodus in the Bible, Exodus. Now, we'll get to that, of course, in our, in our timelines, the, the story of Exodus. But let me, give you, let me give you this great story of Exodus, just to highlight the cliff notes, okay? Uh, so you can see what I'm talking about, the, the protagonist and the antagonist. Now, back, back up, let me set the backdrop. The Hebrew children had been in Egypt for over 400 years. Let's just kind of set the stage right now. Now, shout it out to me if you know the answer. Who is the main protagonist in the story of Exodus? Moses. There you go. Got some, got some folks that learned from last week, you know, the questions I asked. <laughs> um, yeah. And who is the main antagonist in the story of Exodus? Pharaoh. Good. So we got two characters. Just like you go to a movie, you see two characters. You see, uh, all right, for example, let's say Superman. Who's the protagonist? Who? Who? Protagonist? Clark Kent. Okay. Antagonist? Lex Luthor. <laughs> so let me start with Moses for just a moment. As a baby, Moses was miraculously spared from Pharaoh, his edict for every Hebrew new boy born to be actually killed, and he was protected by, by putting him in the Nile River, okay? Moses was placed in a basket and placed in the Nile, and then he was found by Pharaoh's daughter, if you can believe that. Moses then is raised in Pharaoh's palace for the first 40 years of his life. And at the age of 40, Moses is angered when he sees this Egyptian soldier beating a Hebrew slave. That's what the Hebrews had become as slaves in Egypt. Now, Moses decides to take matters into his own hands, and he gets enraged and kills he actually kills the Egyptian and then flees like a fugitive, fugitive to the Midian desert. Now, for the next 40 years, Moses is just simply minding his own business as a shepherd. He's married to this beautiful country girl named Zipporah. And life is kind of simple and good for him until one day, one day God pays him a visit in the most unusual way. He speaks to Moses in a what? In a burning bush. And he tells him he wants him to go back to Egypt. Okay, go back. Some of you have seen the movie, you know. Um, wants him to go back to Egypt and confront Pharaoh and tell him to his face, say it with me, to what? Let my people go. See, God was inviting Moses to be a character in his unfolding story, just like he invites us to be a character in his unfolding story. I mean, God comes and taps Moses on the shoulder and says, it's time for my next move. Any volunteers? <laughs> and you'll see that when we put the timeline up front here. God has five different movements, distinct movements that we'll see. It's in your app. You'll see that, okay? He said, it's, according to God's timetable, he's ready to move Israel from Egypt. It's time. In God's timetable, it's time, okay? And God was inviting Moses to play a very important part in pulling that off. Now, put yourself in Moses' shoes for just a minute. He's a real guy, 
real life, real family. He's 80 years old. The voice of God is speaking to him out of a, come on, wouldn't you freak out if all of a sudden there was this burning bush and God starts talking to you? Inviting him to go back to Egypt and do this crazy thing, what would you do? Moses, Moses does what I think we all would do. He resisted. He said, well, you've been smoking. You're kind of like, what? It was the pizza I had last night? You know, come on. I mean, Moses, Moses resisted. He says, God, I think you've got the wrong person. Not just once. Four different times Moses kind of conjures up a different excuse to give God. And the fifth time he just simply said to God in Exodus 4.13, pardon your servant, Lord, just find somebody else. Find somebody else. And you're going to see this, this definite pattern in the Bible as we go through the story that God often, often selects the least likely candidate to do his work, moi. <laughs> I was the least likely candidate to do what I'm doing. Talk about feeling inadequate. When God calls you to, to pastor and preach and to tell his story to people for your life, talk about feeling inadequate. Man, I was the least likely candidate to do my, what God's called me to do here. But Moses, Moses had been living in the wilderness for 40 years. He was a fugitive who was on the run. He was on the run from killing an Egyptian. He really, really didn't have any public speaking skills, as we all, or most of us should know. Plus, he had no cred with the Hebrew people because of what he had done, of course, and they thought he was going to kill them too. As I think of Moses' excuses, I find myself concluding he's right. God did pick the wrong guy. <laughs> I said that when I was 12, I told you. But each time Moses gives another excuse, and you may have yours, God comes back to this similar repeating narrative, but I will be with you. But your power will come from me. I will give you the words to speak. Don't worry about it. Just do what I've called you to do, and I will equip you. And so it is with our life. God doesn't call the qualified. He calls, he qualifies those he calls. He equips you, amen? He equips you. He says, your power will come from me. I'll give you the words. You just get up and do what I called you to do. I'll, I'll do the work. Just you be my willing vessel. And God may be calling some of you here today to be his willing vessel. You have a choice. Moses, Moses finally just said, yes, God. He took on the role of the protagonist, someone that was going to be on God's side. Now let's look at the life of Pharaoh. Two options. Pharaoh is kind of like the big cheese in Egypt. <laughs> he was arrogant. He was rude. He was proud. He was rich. He was very powerful. Pharaoh was an antagonist in God's story. He was in direct competition to God. Finally, the day comes 
when Moses stands in front of him face to face before Pharaoh says these courageous words that are before Moses says these courageous words to Pharaoh, let my people go. We all know those words. Pharaoh says, not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. <laughs> yeah. And of course, we know the story. Gave him a big fat no and in Exodus 7.14. It's in your notes. Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He refuses to let his people go. See, Pharaoh's choosing on his own, I might add, the character he will play in God's story. And God is going to honor his decision. See, God will honor your decision, whatever part you choose to play in God's story. So God, through Moses, unleashes a series of 10 plagues. I mean, it's going to be a showdown between Pharaoh and God Almighty. Let's get ready to rumble! <laughs> After the ninth plague, the night came for what was the biggest and most important celebration of the Jewish calendar, which was Passover. In fact, it has become the biggest celebration for the Christian calendar as well. We don't call it Passover, we call it Easter. It's where the blood of Christ was poured out on the cross. He died and rose again. And in this final plague, number 10, now you have to understand, side note, first five plagues, it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. And after he had resisted God for so long, the last five plagues says that God hardened his heart. In other words, he was done. He was done. Don't, don't, don't push that envelope, folks. Don't push that envelope, okay? You have a choice. Don't harden your heart against him, amen? In the final plague, the angel of death roams about Egypt killing the firstborn son of every household that doesn't have the blood of the lamb wiped over the door frames of their homes. Only the Hebrews got the memo, okay, that they were supposed to do something to prevent this. And by faith, they sacrificed the lamb, symbolic, types and shadows from the Old Testament to the New, sacrificed the lamb and put its blood on the door frames of their house so that the death angel would pass over their houses. On, the night, on that night, every firstborn son, including Pharaoh's son, died, and we are told that there was wailing throughout all of Egypt. In the middle of night, Pharaoh says, enough is enough. And he goes and gets Moses and says, get the heck out of here. Paraphrased. Get the heck out of here. At this point, Pharaoh is to a totally broken man. And the Lord has accomplished what he told Moses he would do. You see those scriptures there in, in uh, Exodus 4:21. For the sake of time, I won't read them. But it talks about him letting his people go and he talks about his son and God's son being Israel. So here, here is what you're going to see over and over again as we go through the upper story of God. God uses everyone to tell his story, both the protagonist and the antagonist. The choice is yours, which role you'll play, and what will be the outcome of your life. Moses chose to be on God's side, though he felt unqualified, 
And God accomplished his will, his plan through Moses, and freed the children of Israel out of slavery. Pharaoh chose to be against God. And as a result, Pharaoh's dreams drowned in the Red Sea and totally is separated from God as a result of his decision. Now, in closing today, as the team comes, who are you? You're a character in God's story, regardless. <laughs> Please understand that. You're a character in God's story. Listen, what character are you in God's story? God's story isn't finished yet. Amen? His story is not finished yet. That means you and I are characters in the story, and we have a decision to make today. Every single one of us in this room, every single one of you watching live stream, you have a decision to make today. What character are you going to choose to play in his story? Are you going to choose to be a protagonist or an antagonist? Listen, the choice is yours, and so will be the consequences of whatever you decide to choose. I strongly encourage you to choose God's side. Choose God's side. Don't be against him. Before him. Choose God's side. If you haven't been a character in God's story up to this point, I encourage you to change roles today. Let's stand together. Change roles. It all is about surrendering our hearts and lives to Jesus. About making him Lord of our lives. I shared my story, and I was running from God for a long time until finally I surrendered and said, I'm yours, God. I'm yours. The last 42 years of my life have been unbelievable. Oh, not without its ups and downs. Don't misunderstand me. But to know God is here within me, empowering me to do his will, speaking through me, in spite of my inability to feel like I have anything to offer to people? What a God. Let's bow our heads for just a few minutes here. Father, soften our hearts here. Help each one of us to realize that there's something very important happening in this room here today. There's some decisions that need to be made. Just like you called Moses and he chose to be on your side, gave Pharaoh an opportunity and he hardened his heart. Help us not to harden our heart today. This morning, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you feel like you are absolutely a protagonist in God's story, raise your hand. Raise them up. Let me see your hands. 
Good. Good. Put them down. If you feel like this morning you're an antagonist and you want that to change today, you want to get on God's side, you're saying, I want to surrender that today, would you just lift up your hand? I want to pray for you. Don't be ashamed. Nobody's looking around. That's standing at your heart's door knocking. He's saying, don't resist. Don't harden your heart. Don't go there. Don't be that. I'm giving you a chance. One last time, if you want to surrender and become a protagonist, raise your hand up. I want to pray for you. So as we go into worship here for just a moment, I I just want to invite you to respond in your heart to what was shared. Just examine your life. You may be even a follower of Jesus, but lately you haven't been walking with him very close. You've given him a bunch of excuses, even though you're his, of why you can't do something he is impressing you to do. Why you can't be who he's called you to be. If there's some things like that, just just repent of those. Talk to God during our time together. Our pastoral team is on the right and left and they'd be happy to pray with you about something if you have something on your mind. Let's worship him. If you want to know more about Life Lessons, check us out online at MetroBelievers.com or write to us at Metro Believers Church, P.O. Box 45702, Madison, Wisconsin 53744.